Hello, Bill. Good morning, Matt. Welcome to the DMZ, everybody. Is this take two, Bill? Yeah, we had a little technical glitch on Thursday, so you get a special Friday episode, a full uh, absorption of a, of a week's worth of news for us to sift through, but with a shorter time frame because... Yeah, <laughs> we used to have to do take two all the time back in the olden days, and we haven't done... We haven't lost an episode in a long time, uh, so this will be condensed, and maybe we'll be a little, slightly more prepared. Maybe not. I'm still not utterly prepared, but uh, but we have sort of auditioned some of this stuff before. So here we go. I mean, I gotta say, the show that we that we lost was probably the greatest show we ever did. Top and ten. I'm sad that the world can't hear it, but just just gonna have to do our best to try to match match the same brilliance. It was a top. It was a top ten episode. I'm not gonna lie, um, and I'm a little worried now as I as I see I'm talking to you and, and there's no you know the little bars that go up and down when I talk. I'm not seeing them. Is this recording me? I don't know. Um, You're not but, seeing. But either way, it'll be a great conversation. I, I, I see your bars. Uh, thank God somebody does. I got bars. Um. Well, let, let's. Do you, uh, do you not see bars for me? You know, but sometimes right, I, I don't see though. bars for me. Some I see your bars. Sometimes I don't see mine as okay. I'm recording. I see your, and, I see your and it, usually, it usually works out. So let's just go with it. And uh, if not, it'll be lost to history. But where do you want to start? Well, you had a column that went out today. Uh, basically saying that uh, John Fetterman's health is fair game. Yep. Uh, there's uh, he, sh he should debate if Republicans want to. Uh, raise questions about his capacity to do the job. They uh, have no need to uh, hold back. Um, and I don't know how long this column has been live, but uh, uh, has, uh, have you got any instant feedback of people, of, of, of Fetterman fans or others saying that uh, this is a low blow on your part? Well, it did just go live as we're recording this on Friday morning. Um, and I tried, as you know, Bill, I, I tried to to write this in a way that was not jerky. I didn't want to be needlessly provocative. But um, but there, 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 I, I learned from a previous column that that Fetterman has online supporters who will push back. Um, but I've not seen that yet, Bill. And maybe maybe it's because <laughs> maybe it's because I wrote it in such a diplomatic way. Um, or maybe it's because they just haven't woken up yet. <laughs> They're not awake yet to, to attack me. We'll, we'll see <laughs> if the tweets are coming in as, as we speak. Fetterman fans may be late risers. Just saying. It's possible that they go out and they have a couple of, uh, adult beverages at a, at a local tavern before they wake up and, <laughs> and start pounding, you know, uh, the the media on Twitter. So we'll see. But look, I do think it's a fair point that needed to be said. I mean, other people are saying it, but I think it needs to be to be voiced that this is serious stuff. I mean, this is a guy, John Fetterman is a guy who is running for the U.S. Senate. It's a six-year term. Uh, he is someone who, by his own admission, almost died from a stroke. Um and he was off the campaign trail for nearly three months. He's still obviously not 100 percent. 
he finally conceded to a debate to have at least one debate with Dr. Oz, but he won't say when exactly that's going to take place. He may need closed captioning monitors to facilitate his appearance in that debate. Um, I'm not saying that those things are disqualifiers, but I think that they are very relevant and that the public has a right to know all this and and that the press should probably be a little more skeptical than than generally the, the mainstream media has been. And I think it's an issue. Certainly, maybe it's not a disqualifier, but I think it's an issue in the campaign. What say you? Well, you know, if I'm if I'm on the Oz campaign, I would be more careful about how I approach this. I agree, generally speaking, uh, public officials should be transparent about their health and anything that would interfere with the ability to do the job. Uh, is something that the public should be aware of and used to adjudicate uh, their vote. Uh, but not everything that is health-related interferes with the ability to do the job. Um, so uh, uh, you would not say that someone who stutters or there was a speech impediment can't do the job. You wouldn't say someone who is uh, hearing impaired it should not be allowed to be in public office. So I mean, we've made great strides as a society to say uh, uh, these people should not be, you know, shuffled off into some dark corner, put into homes. We should have accommodations made so uh, people who are hearing impaired can be assimilated into broader society. Um, so yeah, having, having closed captioning should in no way be like an eyebrow razor, in my opinion. Um, the question is, I mean, it is really possible to have a stroke and to have, you know, real brain damage as a result uh, that would limit your capacity to process information. I mean, that is something that would be worrying. Um, Fetterman is saying that's not the case here. What Fetterman is saying himself is look, I got some speech issues. I might mush words together. I got auditory issues. So I don't want to say pick up all the words as readily as I do before. Um, uh, but I'm getting better and better every day. That's that's what he has said. Now, I grant your point that just taking him at his word isn't sufficient. Yeah. There, should, there should be journalism. There should be investigation. Um, uh, but you also have to be careful if you're a journalist that you're handling the issue with care and not jumping to quick conclusions. And I'm... I, I know when we talked before, uh, you know, you are more inclined to think the media has a has a political bias that they're not they're going to treat the Democrat more gingerly than the Republican uh, yeah. on this score. And I'm not as quick to come to that conclusion. Uh, and I agree that there hasn't been like a real hit piece on Fetterman about this as of yet. Um, Fetterman has really limited his media access and his public appearances. And it's mentioned in news stories, but you haven't seen like a real brutal media take yeah. on it as of yet. And it may, I, I would think someone's writing this story, whether it's be brutal or not, I don't know, but someone's going to write a big story about where is Fetterman at health wise. And right. my guess is that they're approaching it with delicacy because they don't, they don't want to be charged 
with leveling a political hit. Um, I want to make sure they're getting the facts right as much as as as, as humanly possible. Um, so, so if I'm the Republican campaign, if I'm Oz, if I'm Pat Toomey, you took his shots the other day. I mean, one, I'd be careful to not seem like jerks that I'm saying that people who have speech issues or hearing issues or someone not up for the job because there are people who with speech issues and hearing issues who vote and people who are friends of people with speech issues and hearing issues who vote. So you want to be careful. Your, your, your criticism is fair. Number one. And number two, are you doing Fetterman's job for you, for him and lowering his debate expectations? Right. Making it seem like, Oh, he's going to be a mess out there. That's why he's not doing what only wants to do one debate. And then he gets out there and like, you know, he's not at his absolute A game because he is recovering from a stroke, but he's not so bad. And people, and he looks like he's facing this health crisis with with dignity and and, yeah. and, and courage and strength. Um, I, that, I, mean, that, no, I just that, saw that, just a few seconds ago that he did an interview with uh, Pod Save America. Yes, oh, sorry, go on, go on. Oh no, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I didn't know this. Fetterman did an interview with Pod Save America. I I just saw. Yes, and I haven't okay. listened to it. I don't know how good he is on it. I don't know if it's like heavily edited. I, I don't know anything. I just saw that he did it. Okay. Um, and so if I'm the Oz campaign, I'm listening to the interview and saying, okay, how bad is he? Like, if he's, if he's not that bad, maybe I, I should pull it back and not, you know, shove these expectations all the way down to the ground. Right. And so um, I agree with you that that the expectations are, could be everything. And, and uh, you know, if there's only one debate, <laughs> then whoever does good in that debate uh, has that that debate becomes really important, right? So so Oz or Fetterman may later regret, uh, you know, Oz may regret setting the uh, assumptions about the debate uh, in, in such a way where Fetterman wins by merely showing up. And Fetterman may regret not doing more debates. If Fetterman doesn't do well, he may wish he had another, a second bite at the apple. But look, Bill, to your point, I, I've got I've got several uh, responses here uh, to put my position in context. So, number one, in 2017, uh, Fetterman was told that he had heart problems. He never disclosed that to the public, and so I think it's fair to at least be skeptical. Is he telling us everything now? Um, and is are his doctors? I, I didn't trust Donald Trump's doctors. I mean, I know Donald Trump is a serial prevaricator, but. I think it's it's more appropriate in journalism to be skeptical. Um, you're making the argument that uh, that what matters is that that Fetterman would be mentally capable of being a senator. I kind of disagree. I think he needs to be capable of campaigning and he needs to be capable of debating because the campaign and the debate are where the the voters get to have an opportunity to judge what type of senator Fetterman would be. And I do believe that, you know, um, the voters haven't had the same opportunity that they might have had to hear from Fetterman. He's been off. He was off the campaign trail for months. And if there's only one debate and we don't even know if it's going to happen, but if there's only one debate, voters are being deprived of the opportunity to, I think, fully measure and weigh these candidates and compare them. Um, I think part of the problem has been with the media coverage that by and large, whenever 
Fetterman's health has been an issue, it's often framed in what I call, what we call the Republicans pounce (laughs) paradigm. So the story isn't Fetterman's health or we don't know what's up with that. It's that Dr. Oz is raising questions, you know? Um, And so I think that some of that may be is Dr. Oz feels that he has to raise it because these questions aren't being asked. And I do think, Bill, and I don't have any evidence of this, but just sort of anecdotally speaking as a conservative who's long been worried and concerned about liberal media bias, that there is a little bit of maybe gun shyness on the part of mainstream national media to talk too much about someone like Fetterman. Because you know, we saw with Hillary Clinton's fainting and then Hillary Clinton's but her emails um, that the press, mm-hmm. I, I think that there was some uh, lamentation, lamentation that, that the media may have helped elevate Donald Trump and helped Trump win by covering Hillary's emails and Hillary's fainting. And, and I think we saw with the Hunter Biden laptop story that, that it didn't get much attention. I think that that was maybe an overreaction or an overcorrection. The press doesn't want to be part, doesn't want to be complicit and helping, quote, semi-fascists win political office. Um, and so I, I think that we may see examples where if Dr. Oz were missing from the campaign trail for two or three months and Dr. Oz was going to need closed captioning to, to perform a debate, I just suspect that the media coverage, both from straight journalists and from opinion writers such as myself, might be a little a little less compassionate, shall we say. Um, I, I just want to say, I, I think maybe everyone should get closed captioning. I mean, I, I often do stuff where I miss what, I mean, I, I mean, I have a hearing issue, but like, it can, it can be hard to catch everything somebody's saying, especially in the, in the moment. Um, it's hard to listen and like, think about your answer at the same time. Um, we I, all could probably I, use so some post-captioning in our lives, movies. so I don't see why that. No, you're. I watch it when I watch movies. Like I just watch. I've seen Bull Durham a million times, and I watched it, you know, with closed captioning on, and you pick up things. You know what's scary, Bill? I don't know how good your hearing is, but every once in a while, I'll be watching something in closed caption, and I'll just see like it'll say birds chirping, and. I don't hear any birds chirping. I don't know about you, but there's occasions when, so I am, I, I am with you on this, uh, but it needs to be fair and across the board. And, and I think sometimes it's not. Yes, I, I, I agree. Um, I want to get back to something else that you said, and then we should probably move on to Blake Masters. I don't know if it's really in Fetterman's interest to just have one debate. That, that's Fetterman has said. He said, we'll do one. Yeah. Um, and Oz has not said, okay, I'll just do one. Oz is saying we should do more. So that, that kabuki is still going on. Um, and we talked about this in the now infamous law show from yesterday. <laughs> Episode uh, 2011. That, you know, Reagan Carter had just one. <laughs> Reagan Carter had just one debate. Carter was being a little hard to get with the debates because Reagan was insisting on a three-way with John Anderson. And Carter refused yeah. to do Newt one Gingr- with John Newt Anderson. Gingrich, Newt Gingrich so Reagan is also, Anderson had a debate. Also a fan of the three-way, uh, according to one debate I saw. <laughs> right. um, so they, they, they had those protracted negotiation. They landed on just one right before the election. 
And it was horrible for Carter. I mean, Carter got the outcome he wanted, but it was a single high-stakes debate that Reagan overperformed in. The Carter people had lowered Reagan's expectations that he'd be a mess when it seemed like he was ready for prime time. And that backfired. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if Fetterman has an imperfect debate where he stumbles over some words and that rattles people the wrong way, and he's got no second or third bite at the apple to show that was just kind of like a little hiccup. Yeah. Uh, that might not work out for him. And so if I'm Oz, I'm behind. Uh, I'll take one debate over zero debates easy. Yeah. Um, uh, so, uh, I mean, Remember, my guess is they will they will do at least one. I mean, I, I don't think negotiation is done here because I don't think I don't. And to your other point, I don't think Federman can get get away with zero debates. You know, there is an expectation with the public, like show me what you got, show me yeah. what your stamina is like, uh, show me in, a, in an unscripted, unedited way, so I can make my own assessment. He's going to have to do that. I mean, I think Mitt Romney would probably be president if they had only had one debate in 2012. Remember, he he did really well in that first debate. <laughs> Obama came out. Now, this happens a lot of times with incumbent presidents where their first debate is not good. But if it had just been one debate, Mitt Romney probably wins the presidency. And the problem that Fetterman may have is the the one debate that they may have is, is probably going to happen uh, in around mid-October. So... He already missed one, Bill. There was supposed to be a debate on September 6th that a local TV station in Pennsylvania had scheduled. So they've already missed one. He could run out of time and find that there is that. And and by the way, if he has a horrible debate, Oz may be like, hey, sorry, you know, we we had three scheduled that you didn't show up to. So no mas. I don't know. So the other so Oz in polls is you know, behind, you know, clearly behind. Uh, the other Republican who I think is also in sort of similarly dire straits is Blake Masters in Arizona. Um, and he doesn't have like a health issue to kind of, you know, cross his fingers and grab onto. Maybe some, maybe Mark Kelly will have a heart attack and I can sneak in here. Um, he doesn't have anything like that um, to give him hope. Uh, and he, Masters just got another hit this week with, um, Emails uncovered from his college days where he's flirting with 9-11 trutherism and praising conspiracy theories uh, as a concept and telling people that voting doesn't matter, don't waste your time, America's fascist. Um, uh, normally, I'm not one to make much of college political views because I, we all say stupid things in college and... Um, College is about kind of experimentation, exploration. You're kind of trying on different ideas and thoughts and concepts. And um, I, most of us grow up after college and refine and evolve our views. Uh, and so we should be judged on where we ended up, not where we started started from. Uh, but in the case of Blake Masters, he says lots of crazy stuff as an adult. That's, that's not all that far removed from what he was saying in college. So I just feel like this is going to hit him. This is going to leave more of a mark than the average, you know, college email or college essay, uh, quote unquote, scandal. Um, but do you do you think that Masters can turn this around in some way? Like this is this is just the media's the left wing media smear job on me, uh, and you should distrust the evil media and and and, and look and look at me and my my nice wife and the nice things I say in my ads now. 
I think it's possible. I mean, I certainly wouldn't bet on Blake Masters right now, but I think it's possible. And we live in a world where Donald Trump became president in 2016. Anything could happen. We don't know what's going to happen. Arizona's a purple state. Again, I, I think mm-hmm. I, you know, I certainly wouldn't bet on Masters, but I wouldn't write him off completely either. But Bill, to your point, this is someone that there really isn't any evidence that he has changed or matured. I mean, this is someone who, correct me if I'm wrong, was saying that, you know, maybe the Unabomber had some good ideas, you know. Um, And so uh, this is something that really does concern me, I have to say. Being part of the conservative movement for decades now and working like at a place like the Daily Caller, like I did for six years, and I was around a lot of, I think, normal, good mainstream conservatives. But more and more as I as I got older, I started seeing a younger crop of right wingers who were really, uh, you know, kind of pseudo intellectuals. They were into uh, oftentimes uh, what I call the uh, libertarian to alt right pipeline. Um, and I, I think Master sort of fits in that category. This is someone who is obviously, uh, to a certain degree, maybe a pseudo intellectual. He's a, a, a smart guy, but I don't think he has a, a reverence for, for words or ideas. Um, part of, you know, conservatives are supposed to believe that ideas have consequences. You know, it's not stupid people who have done the most evil things in the world. It's very smart people, philosophers and, and, and thinkers who have brought about some of the, the worst uh, ideas that, that have, have led to many, many deaths in the world. Um, and, and I feel like Blake Masters is someone who is fine with sort of toying around with those sort of ideas. And I, I, I think it's like playing with matches. So um, I would prefer to have a little more wisdom and a little less contrarianism in my uh, conservative or Republican politicians myself. I don't know about you, Bill Scher. Well, uh, I I would rather see a sane Republican Party than an insane Republican Party um, that's tearing out the, you know, the, the threads of America. Um, so uh, I think it'd be good for the Republican Party if Blake Masters, as well as people like J.D. Vance, you know, lost and lost badly. So these are the two like Peter, the, the, Peter Thiel, no, as we talked yeah. in the last show, it's Thiel. Peter Thiel. And I think Peter Thiel, right. Peter Thiel, these, these candidates are made in his image. So in a sense, these are, vent- these are kind of like libertarian, uh, libertarian turned, um, I don't know, theocratic tech utopia. It's, it's a weird combination mm-hmm. of like left wing and right wing. It's, it's, it's kind of the horseshoe theory at play here, but this is not your father's Republican Party. And when we talked about some of the previous show, Teal seems to want to spend the money to help these people win their primaries and not help, not help them win the general elections because his interest is in moving the Republican Party in this direction, not necessarily winning elections and holding power which is weird. And I don't fully understand the logic behind that, because if you can't win the general election, you're not going to win these internal battles. Um, well, that's not uh, clear, Bill. So that, that, I think that's not clear, though. I mean, you're operating under the assumption that the Republican Party is a party that makes rational choices based on whether they can actually win general elections. And that is a theory that has not been borne out yet by virtue of any evidence. 
Well, I think there are a lot of Republicans right now who are not interested in winning elections primarily. And I think I mentioned before, cases in point is Massachusetts. We just saw uh, Jeff Deal, um, a Trump-backed gubernatorial candidate, win the primary, uh, even though he is, you know, I mean, he's he's a bona fide Trumper. That's not how you win elections in Massachusetts. And the Republicans had a fiscal conservative social liberal model for winning governor's races that has worked for literally um, four, four decades, well, three decades. You know, it's going from 1990 to today, 24 out of 32 years, six out of eight gubernatorial elections, only uh, coming up short against Deval Patrick. Uh, and Charlie Baker right now is one of the most popular governors in the country. And the Republican Party said, yeah, we don't want to keep doing that. It's boring. I got to I gotta govern and like make choices and be responsible. And I can't go off half-cocked about vaccines and, and transgender rights. What's the point? Uh, so uh, I do think there are Republicans who are not putting winning first and foremost. But having said that, I think a good deal of losing is going to make Republicans think twice about that strategy. So if Blake Masters loses, and if Jay Vance loses Ohio, which should be a gimme for Republicans, that's really going to be a body blow. Yeah. Uh, and I think make <clears throat> some Republicans say, what the hell are we doing here? Yeah. Um, well, look, I, the last and We got part, a little bit of time left. I know you. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to shift to the democracy yeah, we can discussion. We've got one more point here to uh, take. No, no. Uh, so I know you. you we got commented. five minutes. We got to. And there must be a delay. I feel yeah. like normally I'm able to interrupt you much more, uh, you know, <laughs> with less consequences. <laughs> yes, there, there, there's an audio lag. So apologies to the to the fans out there. Um, uh, I saw on Twitter uh, you responded to a Jonathan Chait tweet that was criticizing Ron DeSantis for saying in his book uh, something along the lines of the founders uh, did not want the Constitution to allow redistribu redistribution of wealth, uh, which Chait interpreted to say they're making – the threat to democracy is so stark that they're trying to say it's unconstitutional for like Democrats that – hold democratic views, hold progressive economic views. Uh, and your response to that was, uh, Democrats are taking this threat to democracy thing way too far. Like, yeah, Trump is a threat and he's an autocrat, but it's not anti-democratic to hold conservative views about the economy. So I want to give you a chance to flesh out that, yeah. that view here. No, look, Bill, I... <laughs> So about 10 or 15 years ago, like during the Tea Party movement, Ron DeSantis, and I have lots of problems with Ron DeSantis, but Ron DeSantis wrote a Tea Party book critiquing the Obama administration, and he gave voice to this concern that has always been, as far as I know, amongst conservatives. And it, would, it was a concern that at some point, if enough people were on the dole, that they would start to vote their own personal self-interest and that you could eventually get to a point where... Uh, where voters were just always voting liberal um, just because they would get more benefits that way, uh, more government benefits that way. And I think this, that is just a mainstream concern that, um, that you could agree with or disagree with, but it doesn't mean that you hate democracy, which, by the way, America 
I, I use the term democracy all the time that I believe in liberal democracy, but you know, it's a colloquial term. We don't literally have a direct democracy. The founders did fear direct democracy where every individual would vote on everything. We have a representative democracy or a republic. Um, and I realize that it's triggered. Some people, when, when you make that point, uh, they will interpret that to mean that you don't like the country we have. I love the country that we have. Um, so, but what Shate did, and I've seen other people do similar things, including Barack Obama on his speech last Thursday night, uh, that big primetime speech in Philadelphia, where ostensibly he was there to- Biden, Biden. What did I say? Did I not say Biden? Obama? I said Obama. Good catch. Thank you. You said um, Obama. Yeah. Joe Biden. <laughs> Thank you. Joe Biden's speech in Philadelphia, which was ostensibly <laughs> supposed to call out um, the MAGA world of Donald Donald Trump and election denying and insurrection and all of those things, which I am obviously against election denying. I'm against riots and insurrections. But Biden seemed to conflate insurrectionists and election deniers with pro-lifers. <laughs> who want to take us back. Um, and uh, people who are against gay marriage who want to take us back to 2015, which, you know, 2015, say what you will about it, but there weren't, you know, ele but election denying and insurrections weren't a big problem in 2015. Um, I'm not saying that there's a, you know, I don't want to confuse causation and correlation, but but I think the problem is that Biden was conflating MAGA with mainstream conservative positions uh, at the time, certainly. And I think that that is wrong on two levels. One, I feel like that there is an effort by, by liberals and Democrats to kind of kick Republicans while we're down and to intentionally conflate, let's say, Reagan Republicanism with Trump Republicanism and basically say a pox on all your houses. The other problem, I think, is frankly, if people like me mainstream conservatives feel like we are under attack, then maybe we will join the MAGA forces. I mean, I won't, but uh, but you may see others do it. So that was my concern, Bill. Well, this is a this is a tricky sort of political puzzle for Democrats. Uh, because you want to broaden your coalition as much as possible you want you 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 got, you got to do more than just progressive base to and particularly in a midterm you really need to get people on the uh, in, in the middle of the electorate um uh and so if you're not if if, if you're larding on too much of the you know rock rib democratic agenda you might lose some of those middle of the road people uh but certain issues, I mean, like, like the ones you mentioned, abortion and equal marriage rights right now, those are not narrow Democratic positions at this point. Those are positions that have pretty broad uh, appeal. Uh, so it's easier for Biden to, I mean, look at what happened in Kansas. I mean, that whole campaign was <clears throat> saying this is about freedom writ large. Abortion is just one part of a freedom agenda that is under attack. And Pat Ryan did something similar in his special yeah, but election now, okay. upstate, but, but, upstate but, New York. But you see what you're doing. What you're doing is now 
it used to be about anti-democracy. It used to be, let's be against the people who want to deny elections. Let's be against those people who have insurrections, right? And now it's like, well, but let's also be against those people who want to defend the right to life of the unborn. Let's put them in the same category with the insurrectionists, because after all, we all know that defending the right to abortion is tantamount to defending free and fair elections, right? <laughs> That's what he's doing. Well, look, I mean, that argument, I mean, that argument loses Matt Lewis because Matt Lewis yeah. is anti-insurrectionist, but is very much pro-life. But, but Democrats can win elections without Matt Lewis. <laughs> you know, that's, they can't win elections with just, for just hardcore progressives. They need middle-of-the-road people. Um, they need people who are in the middle on abortion. Um, it's, it's, uh, well, number one, though, if they, they want to have, they want to have the and, high ground. I mean, so let's, I, I'm skeptical that this is smart politics, but even if it is smart politics, this is intellectually dishonest. And if they want to have the high ground of being the party of norms or normalcy, um, or decency, then they are abdicating that by playing this trick, this game. Well, I'll 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 sidestep where, where the moral high ground is, but I'll say that. I mean, to your other point, if Democrats are adding on economic policy and climate policy, and other, like the, the, the DeSantis passes that Chate quoted, I think is a is a weak argument on DeSantis's part. Uh, I don't think you base every political opinion on what like. Founder X believe that that was the case. We'd still have slavery. That's just the most obvious point to make. There's plenty of things that founders believe that we don't accept today. We have a different sense of property rights today than the founders have. Uh, so you don't root every political position on what, <clears throat> what the founders thought. Just more broader principles. Um, but if Democrats are going to say now, uh, if you are against uh, tax and spend government. You're akin to insurrectionism. Uh, that's going to lose an even broader swath of middle of the road people. Uh, so I agree that Democrats need to be careful not to take the entire Republican agenda. Uh, yeah, can we like have one party that's responsible? Can't about their insurrection because you're, you're going to lose gettable people. Can we have one party that's responsible um, that doesn't play the games? I are, when you have when you have a two party system, which we effectively have, it's a you, it's a coalition building exercise. What gets you to fifty percent plus one, more or less? Uh, and all I'm saying here is, ab abortion was such a political misstep on the part of Republicans that they, as, as far, at least as what we've seen so far this year. Well, you know, the real test, of course, is November, um, but. They have lost some otherwise right-leaning people uh, on the abortion case. The Democrats are, you know, not leaving those, you know, chess pieces on the table. Um, and gay marriage is something that was like flat adjudicated that we've long, you know, accepted as a society, you know, ever since the Supreme Court ruling, and it's. Dangerous Republicans let me, to let want me, to let me ask revisit you a question, that. Bill. Um, Bill, Bill, let, let me ask you a question. I so and, I, and then we'll end it on this. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. Here, here's something to think about. I'm so not. We're, we're okay. I'm not alleging that this is 
true, but it's something to think about. When gay marriage happened, it happened very um, seamlessly, seamlessly, and there wasn't a lot of pushback. And I agree, it's become a consensus position that there should be gay marriage. And in fact, we have right now, we may have 10 Republicans who are willing to ensconce gay marriage, you know, into law. Um, however, is it, let me ask you, this happened in 2015, right? The, the Obergefell case happened in 2015. Um, is it a coincidence that right after 2015, the right went off the rails and our, the attacks on democracy started? I think that's a more compelling argument just based on the timeline than what Shate is saying about so I'm wondering, you know, uh, I forget who it was, uh, but but it 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 does seem that uh, you know progressives were the um, instigators in the culture wars, and and I'm wondering how much of what we've seen was really a backlash against that, um, and we just didn't even pick up on it because we were thinking it was about economics, right? He's working class folks in Ohio. The working class white people in Ohio are mad about immigrants taking their jobs or they think it was immigrants. How much of it was actually social or cultural issues and a backlash against that? Well, that is way too big a question for me to answer when I got to get to another meeting. Um, and I can't, so I don't know how to answer succinctly. I will say, I think today, Republicans feel like the instigators in the culture war with the overturning of Roe, and, and they're suffering you know, political complications because of that. Well, here's the big question. Do people like this shorter, condensed, intense version of the DMZ better than our normal, casual, long, laid back? <laughs> Let us know in the comments, and we'll, and we'll see you next week in the DMZ. See you, Bill. All right. Take care.